0: This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing, interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian
1: Kaskavalsian.
0: Hello and welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Cascavalsian with G4 Marketing, and today I am turning the tables Instead of interviewing someone else, on this episode, you'll hear me being interviewed by Joy Kilgore on how to think like a marketer. Like many of you, when I first got into business, I didn't know the first thing about marketing, advertising, or lead generation. Through many years of expensive trial and error, and with the help of my mentor, Dan Kennedy, I came to the realization that marketing was one of the most important jobs in my business. In fact, Just about every single wealthy contractor I know understands they are not in the business of roofing or replacement windows or plumbing. No, they are in the business of creating, keeping, and multiplying customers. They are a sales and marketing organization that just happens to sell home improvement products. In this episode, you'll discover how to think like a marketer, not like a contractor, You'll hear the three things you absolutely have to understand in order to effectively and profitably generate leads for your home improvement business. These are the principles that I learned the hard way and that I've seen put into practice over my 25 years in the home improvement industry. So get ready to think about how you currently market your business and consider how you can dramatically increase the quantity and quality of your leads by thinking more like a marketer. So let's get to it.
1: I know you've got a lot to share with us about how to think like a marketer. And as I understand, you say that there are three things that you absolutely must understand in order to generate leads.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's an important, important topic and important to understand what each of these three components are.
1: So tell me this. Why have you found this subject to be so important in the home improvement industry?
2: So, you know, it's important joy not only in home improvement but just in in business in general. And and now, you know, I didn't make this stuff up. I mean, one of the things that I I appreciate about all of the people that are a part of Accelerate and one of the prerequisites of being on is real-world experience. And so I was once a struggling home improvement company owner. And it took me years and years of spending my own money on advertising and marketing that some worked, some didn't work. And it's just um, – it, its just these are lessons that the faster we learn them as business owners – the faster we learn them, the more profitable and the more successful we can be when it comes to making leads and, um, and ultimately making sales and growing our businesses.
1: So if I understand the topic correctly, there are only three things that people need in order to generate leads.
2: Uh, yes, three critical ways of thinking thinking about how you are going to approach your market. Yes, absolutely.
1: So um, let's just jump right in here then and see what what it is that you're talking about exactly. So what's the first thing that you would say that somebody needs to understand in order to generate the leads that they need?
2: Well, the first thing that you absolutely have to understand is who – Am I marketing to? What is my market? And this is a big, big topic. You cannot – so you can have the best product. You can have the absolute best offer. But if you're offering it to the wrong person or the wrong people, you're never going to sell anything. You're never going to make a lead. And so one of the important things to understand is who am I going after? Who is my customer? And to do this, so there's any number of ways that this can be done. But I have to know who I'm going to first before I can really start to do the rest do you want to? Do you want to quickly talk about what the three things are, and then maybe we can kind of dive into to each one?
1: Sure. Why don't you tell me? I think if, if I'm not mistaken, there's three M's. If I remember, There are correctly. three
2: M's. Yeah. So my mentor. So I learned this so again. I don't make this stuff up. I learned from I learned from other people. And um, so I first learned this, got probably 20 years ago from my mentor, and he kind of likes to keep things simple for, you know, the people like me. He says I'm a little bit of a slow <laughs> learner. It's been 20-something years, and I'm, I'm still learning. But he has a, a, what he calls the, his marketing triangle, and it's market, message, media. So market is who? We've talked a little bit about that, and we can go a little bit deeper on that. So who am I targeting? And then there's the message, what am I saying to them or what is my message to them to get them to say, yes, I am interested in your product or in your service. And then the third thing is media. How am I getting to them? So media can be like, you know, uh, this morning we talked with Tony and, we, and to, uh, Tony Hody talks a lot about shows and events canvassing going right to the people that is the the media if you will newspaper is media internet is media social media is media you know all of these things are how you get to to the person and uh, again you have to have a vehicle for getting to them you have to know who they are and then you have to have a compelling message to get them to raise their hand and say hey yes i'm interested
1: Let's go back to this market and defining your market. If I were to sit down today and I have no idea other than I want to sell my product, how do you define, how would I set about to define my market? What questions would I need to ask myself? How am I going to draw those parameters?
2: Well, first off, we have to look at what we're selling. So right now... Right now, if we're selling windows, if we're selling home remodeling, if we're selling kitchens, bathrooms, um, any of those things, there are certain things that that we know. One thing that we absolutely know is you have to own a home, right? So if you don't own a home, you're not a prospect for us. So automatically you can get rid of half of the population because they rent, right? Okay. The second thing we want to look at is we want to look at where do they live. Do they live in a certain place? Are they a certain age? And again, one of the things that we know from home improvement is right now, our best customers are mid-40s to I'd say mid to late 60s. That's our that's our group. And then we've got to look at A number of other factors so we've got homeowners we've got homeowners that are you know call it 45 to 70 and then we want to look at well can they afford our product and so we want to look at those areas and those neighborhoods that are that fit that criteria now some companies only work is so there are some remodeling companies or design build companies or kitchen companies that really are only going to work in companies that's or in houses that are say million dollar plus. Million dollar plus. So those are easy to, to find. For most companies though, it's a little bit the spectrum is a little bit wider. Right? And then so that's so your question was what to do if you're just starting out from scratch, right? You don't know anything. You're just starting out. I would say just starting out, those are probably your best criteria.
1: So if I were to summarize what you've just talked about, so you would sit down and you would begin to narrow your uh, market by homeowners, Mm -hmm. where they live, their age, and their affordability of your product. Is right. that fair? Just to start with, right. To start with. Now, I do know, and I, can, I know this from, from uh, observation, that many home improvement business owners want to reach everybody. You know, they're on TV, they're, they're all of these places that are going to meet, reach the mass audience. Is there anything wrong with that?
2: Depends who you are. Depends who you are. Depends what your budget is. Depends your market. It depends on a lot of things. So, for example, the members of Prime, the Prime organization, are the, are really the best, the best in the country. So if you go talk with that group, they probably are doing everything. But they're right. doing everything based on measurement. They're doing things based on knowing how much a lead costs. They're doing things based on history. Right? So they have certain uh, things that they know about the business. Now, one of the big mistakes that most businesses make is what you just said, is they're trying to do everything that they can. And unfortunately, what happens is they blow a whole bunch of money going after everybody rather than just kind of narrowing it down and testing. So that's one of my big things. When I work privately with a client, I the first thing I say to them is we have to test it. I don't, any marketing, any person that you bring in that is a marketing person that claims to have the holy grail and know exactly how and where to go and get leads for you is is in most cases a charlatan because we don't i mean i have good guesses and my guesses are better than most just because of my experience but i would never say to somebody i can absolutely guarantee that's going to make leads so we test and this is a good measure of doing anything so nothing is good or bad it's just a matter of does it work And so we want to test, and we want to see, you know, will that work? Will that uh, message work to that market in that media? This is the criteria that you want to use. You get one of those right, you just wasted a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. You only get two of those right, you're going to be marginally successful. The degree to which you get all three right, that's where now you're going to start to potentially make some leads and make some money
1: let me give you a scenario Brian it, let's say that i am a remodeler and i would fall into the revenue group of maybe 500,000 to 3 million uh, in revenue per year annual and i am selling i am on the job i am doing the marketing i'm doing my bookkeeping at night i have a family how would you suggest to me that I even get started in trying to narrow down my uh, my targeted market?
2: You want the real answer?
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: the real answer. Or <laughs>
1: make one up. I really The
2: real <laughs> answer. Well, the hard answer is Hire somebody, bite the bullet, hire somebody to do some of those lower level activities so you could focus on the higher level activities which are marketing your business. So if, if, if that is the situation, so that's kind of my, my tough answer. But the other answer to that is one of the ways I do it, now I'm, I'm gonna let everybody in on one of my big, you know, cheats. If
1: is you it will. a secret and we can't tell anybody? It's not a
2: secret but it's something that i've learned over over many many years and you know spending many millions of dollars on advertising here's one of the simplest ways to figure out who your market is so if you've been in business for any amount of time put all of your customers onto a spreadsheet you don't need their names all you need are their addresses and then take all of those addresses and plot them on a map and there's software that will do this for you. I used to use a thing called Microsoft MapPoint. I, I don't recommend that, but I think Google now, uh, the last time I did this for a client, I used Google Maps. So you go in and you map your data. And essentially what you're going to see is a snapshot of where your customers live. And so now, and invariably, invariably, in any company that I've done this with, you are going to see clusters. And so go to those clusters and learn about those areas. First off, you want to see, were those good jobs? Were those the right types of customers for my business first? Mm
1: -hmm. And then
2: if if they were the right group of customers, now you want to know more about them. So now you kind of know where they live, but now you want to know how old they are. You want to know, get an idea of how much money they make. And you can go onto, I used to go to the census website and get some of this information. There's a, a lot of different ways of getting this information. As you're driving around the neighborhood, look and see what kind of cars your customers drive. Again, if you look at some of these factors they're going to be similar to their neighbors um there's all there's so those kinds of things there's there's things called demographics and there's psychographics demographics are is more kind of of the the, the simpler stuff income mm-hmm. um uh, you know that's a demographic age is a demographic but there's also this thing called psychographics and so there are companies and there are are ways where you can turn essentially give a list of your customers to a company and they can give you a whole profile of who they are now that's a bit more complicated but you could start with the simpler demographics you know so um for example one of the things that was really interesting for me so i was one of those guys that i put money at, and i was in southern california at the time and i used to put money all over the place i was in i was in like four or five newspapers i was in five or six magazines we did all kinds of stuff and so i would start to map out and see okay Well, where's my business really coming from? And funny enough, I realized after about a year or two, a lot of my business was coming from within just a few miles of our office. Not surprising. And in particular, a certain zip code. And so what did I do? I started to shift some of my marketing dollars that were far away closer, and I started to target more of that market in that particular zip code. Make sense? Very
1: interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: And that was successful for you? Very. Very.
2: Yeah, because now I'm taking these marketing dollars that was just kind of shotgun approach. You know, I was just putting in an ad in a a magazine that was, or I'm sorry, in a newspaper, let's say. Back then I used a lot of newspapers. Um, I would... um, I would put it into this uh, to a newspaper that had this huge geographic footprint. And I was essentially shotgunning. I'd get a few jobs here and I would get a few jobs there, but they're like an hour away from our from our office, right? And so when I found that hey, wait a minute, I'm getting more work from local, locally here. Now there was all kinds of other things I could also do that were low cost and my marketing dollars could be more effective because I was targeting an area and a type of customer that I already had success with.
1: Well, I'm guessing that that not only affected your marketing budget, but it, it affected like your transportation, it affected your bottom line. Absolutely. In the fact that uh, your payroll, you weren't paying people to drive a long ways and all of that as well. So it right. had a lot of benefits there. You know, I guess, Brian, that I run across a lot of people who – uh somewhat pridefully say we work on referrals only yeah. what would you say to that person
2: well you know i mean that's that's the thing that that's one of the areas that that we work in a lot and um the thing about the people that say, well, we work on referrals, there's, you know, with Tony this morning, we talked about proactive, how are you proactively generating leads? You have to have a system. Most people that you ask that question to, the follow-up question, or the, uh, that give you that answer, the follow-up question to them is, well, tell me how you get those referrals. Tell me what your system is for getting those referrals. And invariably, they're going to say, "Well, we don't have a system." They just come. Well, that's silly. That's no way to run a business. Um, if it is true, then there should be a whole—you know—there there should be a whole system in place for how are those those uh, leads being generated? Because a referral is a lead. It's a very hard lead to get, but it is still a lead, and it should. Ha- and if that's the only way that you're, if that's how you're uh, relying on generating leads and making sales and making money in your business, well, you better figure out how those are happening. Because if you're just sitting back waiting for those to, to come in, uh, at some point you're in for a, a, a lot of trouble.
1: Uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I always wonder when people say, I only work by referrals, I'm thinking, and, how often do you work? Or how often do you not work?
2: (laughs) That's an even better follow-up question.
1: Well, uh, now that we understand who our market is and and, and how to define that market and who those people are, how to target those, let's move on and talk a little bit about the message. And what do we need to know about that message?
2: Well, message... Is kind of messages make or or break. Uh, message is all about the words, the copy, the images, the actions that you're taking to make leads. So if we if we look at all of the different ways that we can make leads, and I'm just going I'll just focus on one area, which is um, which is uh, print type advertising. But if you look at um, like shows and events and canvassing. When you talk about message and and we, we heard again, we heard from Tony this morning talk about those things. You have to have a script. You have to have a system in place for knowing, you know, for getting to that um, to the point where you can ask somebody for their information. Um, when you're doing TV, we're going to talk to Ron Sherman next, and and Ron is 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 the guy to talk to if you ever want to do TV, uh, TV or radio advertising. Um, Message, in that case, is a TV commercial, and they are fantastic at it. Um, the elements that are present in all cases, regardless of how the lead is generated, are the same. First, you have to get people's attention you have to then pique their interest. You have to get them then to have a desire, a big enough desire for your product that they're willing to pick up the phone and call or fill out a web form on your website or fill out a form live and in person uh, next to you. Then, Then there's a call to action. What do you want them to do? And so where a lot of people mess up on this is they create an ad, let's say, because the ad is the easiest way for I think everybody to kind of visualize this. So I'll just say we're doing a, a print ad, a magazine or a newspaper or a clipper or whatever you're using. Most companies, the mistakes that they make on these ads are they put their logo kind of front and center. They put a picture of something. And then they use this copy. We have been in business for, you know, 37 years, and we believe in doing a good job, and we will give you the best product for value. And then there's a phone number down below.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like the worst ad. You're better off not even putting the ad in, because it's a complete and total waste of money. It does not meet any of the conditions of a good advertisement. So what are those
1: conditions?
2: Okay, so here's some of the things. There's a lot of them, but here's some of them. So let's take the thing that's front and center. Everybody wants to put their logo up front and up up center, including the stupid advertising reps. Don't listen to them. They don't know. (laughs) They're not marketers. Don't let them design your ads for you. They don't know what – most of the time, I should say, they don't know what
1: they're doing. Anytime now, who are you somebody, talking about is as, a, as advertising reps as opposed to marketers? Can you explain well, the difference to me?
2: Yeah. So an advertising rep is somebody like the Yellow Pages salesperson, the okay. Internet marketing salesperson that doesn't know, that has not spent their own money to make leads in your in the home improvement business. Gotcha. Remember those old dangerous. yellow pages reps? Remember their oh, pitch? Yeah. <laughs> their pitch was to come in with the yellow with the yellow pages from last year, flip open to, to your section, and say, "See this ad last year? This ad did X number of calls per month. And if your ad is is only a quarter of a page, if you go to a full page, this is that was their pitch. Right. And then they would go yeah. and create the same ad they created for that guy and. You know, you can't tell one company from the other.
1: Unfortunately, I bought a few of those.
2: Oh, so did I. How do you think I learned? <laughs> you learned the hard way, right?
1: Right.
2: So number one is nobody cares about your logo. They really don't. Unless you're somebody that's been in the market for a long time, and even those people in the, in, that are smart aren't going to put their logo front and center. What you're going to put front and center is you're going to put a compelling headline something that's going to draw people into the ad that's number one the second thing that has to be that has to be in your ad is some sort of offer some sort of call to action and again we know you know you and i tomorrow we're going to do the the hundred million dollar roundtable And the um, there's there's one person in that that we are we're interview. I mean, all four of them are are fantastic at this, but there's one individual that is just so good with compelling offers that he gets his phone ringing, ringing, ringing. An offer is so important. Why should I call today? Because once they flip that page, once they go off your website. Once they walk past you in the home show, once they flip the channel on TV, chances are good you ain't going to see them again. And so what do you have to do when you've got them for those two or three seconds to get them to take action? And generally you want to have a benefit-driven headline. And a benefit-driven headline is all about thinking about yourself as the reader and thinking, what's in it for me? what's in it for me, right, so um, I was trying to think of like a, a headline that I've, you know, the uh, headline formula, they're headline formulas, by the way, I don't, you know, I, I don't make anything up. I go learn from what has worked in the past, and I adapt those formulas when I go to write headlines. And I'll go write 10 or 12 of them before I settle on the one that I'm going to use on an advertisement. Right? But, you know, there are... I won't go into all of the formulas, but there are, they are out there. But that's one uh, one piece of it is the benefit-driven headline, pull them in. Use a picture or... Another thing that, that, uh, that I give people that, that is missing, I mean in almost every home improvement ad that I see, is social proof. So social proof is, is so important because people want, don't want to feel like, hey, I'm a guinea pig. Hey, I'm the only one that's going to buy from these people. They want to see other people that have bought from you. And so you've got to have a testimonial or two on that ad. Somehow, some way, you want to convey the message that, hey, other people are doing this too. And those people are just like you. And then yes. when it comes to your logo, your logo goes to the bottom of the page, to the left.
1: To the bottom. But we worked so hard to design that logo that we love so much.
2: Yeah, so should it, do we have a minute for me to go into my my whole branding, my whole branding thing? We've got one minute. <laughs> so Okay, so real quick, here's the thing. When, uh, one of the things that annoys me the most is when people say, yeah, but I'm doing that for branding. My automatic reaction to that is, wait a minute, you're doing $2 million in your branding. You're doing $5 million in your branding. You don't have the time, and you certainly don't have the money. None of us do. To brand, to create a brand. To me, let's get the customer. Let's make the phone ring. Then that's where branding starts. Start branding after you've got the lead, not before. before that's most, interesting. Yeah, most people don't know you and they don't care. Right. All they care about is what's in it for me. Are these people going to do a good job on my windows, on my bathroom, on my kitchen, on my addition, on my siding, whatever it is, on my roof? So that is – that's that's what's important. So logo, bottom left, bottom right, big phone number. Sometimes – I know this is going to sound weird to people, but sometimes when I write an ad, I leave the, the web address out sometimes not always but sometimes because i want them to call i don't necessarily want them going to the website i especially don't want them going to the website if my website does not do a good job of converting leads or visitors into leads
1: ah but i think we've come to depend on that a whole lot but let me just jump just a little bit here brian um I hear what you're saying about this message. I hear what you're saying about the logo. I hear about the compelling headlines and and why I should call you today. But for most of us, we're really, really busy and developing all of these messages and thinking about it and putting all of this thought and time into it. And I know it's important, so I'm not in any way minimizing that. But what would you suggest That we do in order to not get completely overwhelmed by this. What you're telling me is overwhelming. And so how do I bring it down to, okay, I've got 30 minutes to work on this. Gonna need more time?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So again, again, I go back to my tough answer. And my tough answer is you have to get rid of those activities in your business I mean, look, let me give you an example from me. so when I first started, I started cleaning carpet and i I bought a franchise that was a carpet dyeing franchise, and I knew that if I was the one going out and doing the work now you can you can replace carpet dyeing franchise with any uh, any um, Home improvement, you know, contract. Carpet dying as
1: in color. Color, yeah, dying the carpet. I've got some dead carpet here. Not killing
2: it, lighting it on fire, but, yeah, changing the color. So I went out for a year, and I did all the work myself. I did everything myself, just like you were mentioning before. But you can only get so far when you do that. So I knew I had to bring on somebody that could go and do that part of the work for me so at least I could free up that time to focus more on growing the business. And then when I started to learn about marketing and I started to learn about how the business that I was in, regardless of what business I was in, whether I was in the carpet business, the bathroom remodeling business, the handyman business, the contracting business, the landscape business, by the way, these are all home improvement companies that I've owned, I knew that my number one job was to make leads and to make sales and to make sure on the back end that those customers were happy, right? So what do I have to do so that my focus is – more and more of my focus is on the marketing and sales. I call it creating customers, keeping customers, and multiplying customers. And Did I know you say that, that again
1: some, so we can take notes on that? Creating?
2: Right. So my job as the owner is to create customers, keep customers – and multiply customers and so to create customers I have to be effective at marketing I have to be effective at selling and I have to be effective at delivering an amazing customer experience
1: so part of marketing and the customer experience uh, can you tie those together for me
2: well Customer experience is marketing. So take a look at Disney. Take a look at Disneyland. So when you go to Disneyland, one of the things that everybody notices is how clean the place is. In fact, they go home and they tell people this. You would not believe how clean that place was. Isn't that marketing? Sure is. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what. They are one of the best. They are one of the best at getting people to not only to get there. And and forget about who they are today. Think about who they were 30 years ago. I mean, now they're just blown way up because of all of Mm -hmm. this stuff. But when they started out 30 years or 40 years ago when I was a kid, it, it was all the same. The basics were all there. Right? All of that is marketing. It's all about creating a customer. So their thing is, let me get them to the park. Then when I get them to the park, I'm going to keep them here and I'm going to get them to spend a whole bunch of money because of the experience. And then what I'm going to do is because of that experience, because of that amazing experience, I'm going to send them home like soldiers. And I'm going to send them home to tell everybody that they knew. I'm going to make this experience so amazing that I'm going to send them home to go tell everybody that they know about what an amazing experience they had at Disneyland and how you got to go. And oh, by the way, I'm going to do all of this so that they come back again and again and again and again.
1: The old proverb or whatever that says it is, uh, much more cost-effective to keep a customer than it is to go out and right. get a new one. Absolutely. Right. And uh, so to boil all of that down about the message, give me the, again, I'll go back to the busy busy uh, business owner. And so we should hire somebody to do it. But if I'm just learning this, I should take your advice. I should make a, the compelling headline. Mm-hmm. Why I should call today? What's in it for me?
2: Right. Right. And use social proof. Bring your old past customers. Yeah, bring your past customers in. And look, so there are lots of so so um, there are a couple of resources that I can recommend to people. First off, I learned a lot of this stuff from my mentor Dan Kennedy. So he's got a book out there called the Ultimate Marketing Plan. That's one place to start. Another place that you can go is you can get a copy of of, of my book. I'm you know this is not meant for me to promote my book, but a lot of this stuff I have in one of the chapters. Plus, the, I have a bunch of resources. Um, my book is How to Double Your Profits in Six Months or Less. It's on it's on Amazon. But one other really. I think big piece of advice that I would give to people is, you know, one of the things that I did was I spent a lot of time at the library. At the library, I I, in fact I have this strategy that I will uh, will teach people um, in my workshops and things. That is the four hour four hour a week strategy. And so what I recommend to people is take block out four hours in your schedule per week and go to I like the library because all of these resources are all around you every book every great book on advertising and marketing you'll find at the library all great um, um, uh, knowledge and information is there and it's free the other thing it is is quiet so go to the library leave your phone in the car you don't need it um, what?
1: Leave our phone in the car. Leave
2: the phone in the car because. What a
1: concept.
2: Yeah, leave the phone in the car. You don't need it. Um, and go inside, find a quiet table, and just think. Think about these things. Get a few books. Look at the structure. So all of these things. Look, I'm. You know, a lot of marketing people want you to think that this is oh, I'm I'm magical. I'm this you know, I I came down from the mountain and I'm I'm a magical marketer. Those are the charlatans. The smartest ones are the ones that say, yeah, I've learned from others. I use formulas. I use systems. And even in marketing, they're not foolproof, but they get you a whole lot closer than you would get by just guessing and making it up. So I don't, I don't, I write my own headlines, but I always, always use a, a template that has worked and has worked for decades. Not something that worked just once or twice. I mean, I, I use stuff that, that has worked for
1: decades. Well, um, Brian, you had mentioned to me one time about the worst – number in business yeah. and i want to ask you about that but, but before i do i want to um you've mentioned a lot of good resources you've mentioned all of these things i'm i have a strong feeling that people are going to want to talk to you after this so how can they contact you how can they find out about you and find out about getting some of these resources well, they can go, um,
2: obviously, they can go to our website, which is G4Marketing, G-F-O-U-R, not the number for F-O-U-R, spelled out, G4Marketing.com. And um, there are some resources there. There's a, a definitive guide uh, to relationship marketing that they can request from us, or they can just call the office at 305-856- 8788 and uh get on my calendar or get on Addie's calendar and we could talk about um you know how we can help them with their business.
1: Speaking about Addie, tell us a little bit about that lovely lady.
2: <laughs> so Addie is my business partner. She's my boss. Um but she's also she's also my wife and um so it's interesting, you know, just kind of quick in a nutshell is one you know I owned a one of the largest handyman companies in the country, and we had franchised it uh, around North America and um, when I sold the franchise company, we still had our own you know company store, and she came in and she was kind of tasked with um, helping us with our with the marketing and and specifically um, it was she was tasked with working on relationship marketing. And so um, she came in and she said, man, what are you guys crazy that you're not keeping in touch with your past customers and getting them to come back and get referrals? And so she worked on that and and, uh, and did that for us, got amazing results, like tripled our results over a very short period of time. And then um, a couple years later, we started G4 Marketing Group together because we found that what we really liked was the marketing side of it. And, um, she's fantastic. I mean, she's one of the smartest, uh, people that you'll find in, in, when it comes to, um, how to develop good, strong relationships with your customers and, and get more referrals. And so we've got a program, uh, a couple of programs for that. And we help companies, um, around the country, uh, do that. Get, you know, stay well, in touch with great. their customers, build relationship with their customers
1: yeah yeah great great team and to to call your office, they could not go wrong whether they talked to Brian or whether they talked to Addie. Great, you know, Brian, we've talked about uh oh wait, we were going to talk about the number one worst number, yeah in business tell me yeah. what what is it that you mean by that?
2: So I learned a long time ago that the worst number in business is the number one. The number one,
1: but we all want want to be number one.
2: Well, we want to be number one, but we don't want to have to rely on any one thing. Ah. So in business, where that comes to is we don't want to rely on any one lead source because that can go away. Um, And that goes to, you know, one other where I could tie that back in with the three things that we talked about, market message media. We didn't talk too much about media, uh, but media really is how you get your message across. The thing that you don't want is you don't want to rely on any one form of media. That is uh, one way of getting leads, whether that's the Internet or it's canvassing or it's one newspaper or one whatever. You don't want to rely on one employee. You don't want to rely on one salesperson. Um, you don't want to rely on any one of anything, one vendor, one supplier. I mean, you could. the right. list goes on and on. So, um, yeah, so you want to make sure, you know, in, in the sense of marketing, what you want to do is you want to have a diverse mix of marketing, um, diversity in your marketing mix, equals stability in your business, equals stability in your uh, in your profits. And so when you look at the best companies out there, they have multiple ways that leads are being generated every day, every week, every month, every year. And so you want to have a good mix of where leads are coming from.
1: Well, speaking of media and a good mix in in where leads are coming from, we did talk a lot about our market and choosing that target market. We've talked a lot about uh the things that we should look at when we choose that uh, that market that we're going to target and then we talked about the message and got some good good ideas and some good thoughts on that, not good but great actually so with media, and you've mentioned several um, methods or several outlets of media that people are using today, well let's talk about those a little bit more and go into a little more depth about them. I know that uh, I talked with someone yesterday who is has several trade shows lined up. they don't get a lot of um, a whole lot of business from it; they do get some but so I asked them if I could come to the next trade show they're at and just observe and see if I have some suggestions for them. But is that still a good uh, marketing media? Marketing media a good way to get your message out?
2: So you know, as a marketing as a marketing person and uh, my friends that are that do the same kind of thing that I do. We get asked this question a lot. We get asked the question, "What works?" And our answer is always the same: Everything works. It just doesn't always work in every market for every company. So, shows and events. Um, one of our one of our speakers tomorrow, um, Mark Zockel, has a show and event system, marketing system, unlike anybody's you've ever seen. And it works, and it works, and it works, and it works. Um, we, earlier this morning, we talked with um, Tony Hody, and Tony talks about canvassing, you know that's how he came, kind of came up and made a name for himself, and now he's more diversified. And he, he really is the master at face-to-face lead generation, so shows and events and canvassing. And he gave us a lot of really good tips on on what works. Um, after After him was Chris Bean, who was talking about internet marketing. So you could talk to uh, and and go into any market in any country uh, in any part of the country and ask three different companies about Internet leads. One of them is going to say, oh, man, I do great. I get so much of my business from, from that. Ask another person, they're going to say, oh, the Internet, I can't make it work. And then you'll have somebody that's kind of in between, right, and, or a whole bunch of people that are in between. Um, it's not so much about whether or not the media works. It's about how effectively you've done all the other stuff that goes around it. And I could keep going, but, you know, we're going to talk to Ron Sherman next. So I don't know how many people I've talked to that say, well, I'm going to go try TV. I'm going to go try TV, quote-unquote try. Well, that's like the worst approach you could possibly have. I know people that have blown tens of thousands of dollars relatively quickly, and you can do that with TV, and have got nothing to show for it. And yet...
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Well, I just wondered if you think it's becoming easier or harder these days to select media and reach an audience. I know when you look at a newspaper, it's smaller than the tabloids. Yeah. And so, you know, is that easier now that, that you can almost mark that one off? I know that with canvassing, uh, with the regulations and the city uh, restrictions on some of those activities uh people are somewhat shall we say timid if not scared to actually go back into canvassing and go into neighborhoods but yet some of the biggest companies yep. still do that oh, so good. is it just getting more difficult all the time or is it easier because you know we we're much quicker to write off some of these medias
2: well here's you know that's an interesting way to phrase the question because so I'm going to give you a quick little story. So I was, I was on the phone with a guy that runs a 20 – no, he's almost $30 million in 2015, uh, $30 million business. And one of the things that he says is he says that he is grateful. And I won't mention who, who this person is just in case any of his competitors are listening. But he says, I'm grateful to my competition for all thinking that the yellow pages doesn't work anymore. Oh. <laughs> he gets a ton of business from the yellow pages.
1: I didn't even know there's still a yellow pages.
2: Yeah. So when you when you say is it easier? In some respects it is because you have people running from So everybody likes, you know, this is a whole another topic, but everybody always likes the new bright shiny object. You know, what's been the new right. bright, shiny object the last few years? Social media, right? I'm not even going to go into all of the social media. But my thing is, look, it's another avenue. It's another media. Show me where it works. Let me learn from you how it works, how you've made it work. So people all, they hear social media, social media, it's where it's at. And then they start driving money to it without understanding the the basic fundamental principles of what gets a person to pick up the phone or fill out a web form or give you their information at a show. If you look at so, – so you have to look at – to me, I look at everything. I want to see everything that's available to me in every market. And what I do is I test. So I, I was hired by um, – I did a lot of work for them um, – In 2014 and part of 2015, uh, a big dealer network, and um, one of the things that they wanted was they wanted uh, um, marketing programs for their dealers. And so, one of the first places that I went, believe it or not, was the newspaper. The newspaper, because Mm -hmm. I still believe in it. Here's why I believe in the newspaper. So, if you if you look at if you think about what we've been talking about here, the three, the how to think like a marketer. Right? So this is how I think about when it, whenever I think about how I'm going to spend my money to market, I think about market, message, media. Okay, so let's think about newspapers for just a minute. Market: Who does a newspaper go to? Does it go to somebody that's more affluent or less affluent? I'm asking. Are you asking you. me? I'm asking asking, you to somebody that's probably
1: people who are more affluent that are beyond middle age who obviously have money and they are accustomed to reading a newspaper every morning. That's my guess.
2: Okay. And so doesn't that sound like a good target?
1: Sure does.
2: So, okay, so now... Given
1: what you told us earlier, that sounds really good.
2: So we've got market. We have a market match. What was the last thing that you said? You said this is something they like to read every morning. Yes. Right. So now we have a media match. Right? So we have two right. of the three. So now it's all about component number three is crafting the right message. So just as an example, so for this group, there was, there was a couple of people that were already doing newspaper advertising, and I looked at the ads, and the ads were horrible, and the things were underproducing. I don't have the exact numbers at my, my fingertips, uh, but the numbers were something like, they were abysmal. For the first six months of the year, I think they had done $48,000 in revenue. Uh-huh. out of this ad it was a it was a a, a a loser the first month that I took over the ad, I think we did forty five or forty six thousand The second month we did seventy, and I think by the third or fourth month we were at about ninety thousand so I only changed,
1: thinking... well, I only changed
2: one thing one thing. The market remained the same. The media stayed the same. The only thing I changed was the message, was the ad itself. Yes. The way the newspaper created the ad sucked. It was terrible. So I just rewrote the ad, redesigned the ad, did something completely and totally different than what the newspaper had done. And we did more in, in five or six weeks than he had done in six months. That's the power of thinking this way, of looking at it this way. And it's, that's how I look at all of this stuff.
1: So we could conclude then that the message is of greater importance than the media. Whatever media you're going to use, well, your message is... not necessarily.
2: Is, not, necessarily. Okay. not necessarily. So look, here, here's a good example. So I could take that exact same ad that pulled crazy good in this newspaper, and I could take it, and I could put it into another newspaper, and it would would do nothing.
1: Uh-huh. Here's
2: the difference, but because here's the difference. Because that newspaper sits in a newsstand, and it's free, and people can walk by and pick it up. In that case, more than likely it's going to not do anything right it's going to be a loser it's going to be DOA I, I don't even i wouldn't even test it unless the newspaper gave me an amazing deal because i just i don't believe in the media or, or the market you know because yeah. who i don't know who is picking up the newspaper and they have to actually physically go and pick it up now if you took that newspaper and you delivered it every Thursday or every Tuesday or two times a week, whatever, now I might look at it, but I want to know where are you delivering it. Are you delivering it to all the apartment buildings that are on the west side of town, or are you delivering it to the the middle-class neighborhoods on the east side of town?
1: So, we could then conclude that all three are very important.
2: Yeah, the degree the to which you market, get all three of them right.
1: Yeah, Right, the market, the message, and the media. And Brian, we are about, in fact, we're out of time, and I know that Ron Sherman is chomping at the bit to get online yeah. and, and to talk with us. So do you have a concluding remark for us before we sign off?
2: No, just thank you. I hope that um, I hope this was of value um, to, to, to the listeners. I hope that they got a good sense of how to, you know, my, my, my goal for doing this session was really to kind of help people be able to digest all of the rest of what they, they got today in terms of, of marketing. And, and um, I just think the thinking of how to think like a marketer is just so important, and it was such a turning point in, in my life and in my career.
1: Well, I found this session very impactful, very informative, and uh, I know that the people who are listening have found it so as well. Brian, thank you. Thanks for all of this good information, and thanks for the uh, invitation to participate in it. Great job.
2: You're welcome, Joy. My pleasure. All right, sit tight, everybody. Ron Sherman is up next.